Hello and welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights. We're heading back to Kings and Corner for a short episode where we're going to have a look through the return of football for Saints and who is coming up next. My name is Tom Murray. My name is Callum Wilson. This is Under the Lights and we're off to Kings and Corner. Yeah, so welcome back to Kingsland Corner. So it's been almost a week since Saints returned to action with a game against Norwich City last Friday. And Callum, the return couldn't really have gone much better, could it? No, I think by the end of the game, uh, we were more than happy. I could have asked for much more. I thought it might have been a bit of a banana skin. I thought Norwich would be a lot better than they actually were. Um, And Saints ran out worthy winners. And uh, it's good to see see the boys playing with a smile on their face by the end of it. Yeah, it was by the end of that half, we were thinking, really, if we'd uh, put, put in a bit more, it could have been either four or five. That's how good that second half performance was. Obviously, the first half was pretty scrappy for both teams. I actually thought that our passing was off Norwich. I think had we been playing against a a better side, we may have gone into the half uh, having conceded a couple of goals. Obviously, Ings hit the bar for us. We had a couple of good chances as well. But obviously, that first half, and I think it's shown over the other Premier League games so far, that there is that obvious level of rust that we're just trying to work our way off. Yeah, um, honestly, I think... I mean, 3 0 at the end of it, everyone's singing the praises, but for the first 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, I thought we were really poor. And actually, Norwich were much the better side. They were keeping the ball well, crisp passing, giving us no time. And obviously, the first game back, every time we uh, we had the ball uh, in the centre midfield, they were hounding us down. And we, could, were, we couldn't really get three passes together. Loose touches, ball going out of play all the time. And and we were worried. And as you said, if we were up against a side that had a, a bit more quality, uh, the game could have gone differently. And certainly we could have been down one or two nil at half time. But I think I think that was partly down to Norwich's press. I remember saying at the time that they can't keep this up all game. And especially his first game back, I couldn't see them keeping up. Uh, March of the first half and they, they faded a bit um, that press drifted away we managed to get a little bit more time on the ball and Southampton's quality started to shine through Danny Ings any other time during the season probably would have put that one away where he's hit the bar in the first half but that was just a sight to throw him for the second half and I thought that we uh, I thought that as I said the quality started to shine through and, and we've got better football players than, than Norwich have the issue Still, it remains at the back. And in the first half, I, th- I do for the first 20, 20 minutes, I thought the back line looked unorganised, disjointed. There were times where Bertrand found himself in the centre circle. Stevens found himself at right back. There was a huge gap in the middle, I think, for the Dermot chance, where his touch really let him down. And a couple of times, there was a glaring, obvious lack of, of leadership in that back line and organisation, which I feel is something that we're, we're going to have to address definitely in the summer, maybe with a bit of experience, because uh, we can go into it in more detail, but I do think we need a centre-back, and I think that's probably the one position where Saints need to break their um, their rules around the signing of potential players under 23s, because we've got a couple of potential players, but we need someone in there to organise immediately. Second, we got better as the half went on, but second half, a uh, completely different side. You could see as, as Saints emerged for the second half, they'd obviously um, heard some choice words from Ralph, shall we say. Uh, the, the pressing on our, part was, on our pass was better. We kept the ball so much better and 
to be honest, I think uh, once we got that goal from Ings, which um, didn't take long, I think three minutes into the second half, we didn't really look back. And uh, I thought a second goal was coming. It did from Armstrong. And uh, he's obviously been in form before lockdown um, and has continued that in that pre-season friendly with Bristol City. And obviously the goal against Norwich, Ings and Armstrong setting each other up, linking well. And he's really come into his own in that kind of inside winger role in this formation. And then um, the one thing I was hoping for to top it all off was uh, was a goal for Nathan Redmond because I thought he was the best player on the pitch against his former side. That and uh, I was willing for Che Adams to come on earlier to get himself a goal. But yeah, when Redmond scored and he took his chances really well, I thought that really topped it off for a, for a perfect return to the Premier League. And as I said, by the end of it, they were just uh, a bunch of lads playing football in the sun and really, really enjoying being back after so long without competitive action. Yeah, that final goal from Nathan Redmond is a fantastic finish and he made it look so easy as well. He completely sold the defender on the edge of the box and then you don't really look at Nathan Redmond and feel that he has a good left foot on him. Sometimes he always likes to cut in on his right. But it was a really good controlled left-footed finish past him cruel, who I actually thought was... Norwich's best player because he made some really good saves and arguably kept them in the game for long periods of time. I agree in the first half about the weaknesses. I felt that even in the second half, now I know he hasn't played much football and he said, I mean, none of them have played much football in the past few months, but even before we got, we went into lockdown, Jan Valerie still was looking like a liability in that right back position. He didn't really, he spent too much time, I thought, dawdling on the ball and he almost lost out several times in that first half where Norwich I think that Dermot chance came because Jan Valerie completely lost his man now I don't want this to turn into um, a, a slating of Jan Valerie because I think that he can be a good player but there he was certainly I think our weakest link in that defense one player that actually stood out for me was the man stripped of the captaincy. And you wouldn't think that his head wasn't in the game because I thought he was fantastic in the middle. Pierre-Emile Hoybier, winning the ball multiple times, breaking up the play. I mean, that's what we've seen from him all season. I mean, that's that's what we've come to expect. But I think a lot of people were maybe questioning just what his determination would be like having been stripped of the captaincy, having publicly stated that he wants to go on to higher um he has higher ambitions it certainly didn't show on the pit no i thought he was um one of a number of culprits in the first 15 20 minutes uh, i remember that time he, he in front of the dugout where his, his touch was loose and he ended up just controlling it out for a throw in and i thought i was hoping he wouldn't be doing the same sort of thing that i think abamyang is is doing where he's kind of given up on the on the season i think Hoybiag, if he does want to go, he's obviously got to um, got to prove to the suitors that, of the calibre of club that he wants to uh, to be bought by that he's worth it. So, and and he's also a competitor. You know, you can put him in a Sunday league game and he'll probably play exactly the same way. I thought um, him and in and Ward Prowse did do well, um, and they actually coped very well with a with a three man against a three man midfield. But yeah, for me, I think. You're right, Valerie was the obvious liability and I'm, it's no secret, I'm not a fan of, of his and I think he's Premier League quality fullback. And to be honest, I don't think Leanne Valerie would be playing for any other Premier League team. The only reason he's playing for us is because we're so determined to bring through youth players that maybe aren't there. So, yeah, Carl Walker-Peters has extended his loan uh, to the end of the season. He um, That's important because otherwise we'd be stuck with just Anne Valerie and he is the obvious weakness. But 
yeah, the man of the match for for me, uh, hands down, was was Nathan Redman. He was ca- just the way he he was carrying the ball. It was almost I don't mince my words here because I'm not comparing them as the same quality of player, but he was playing in the same vein as um, an Eden Hazard at Chelsea in the fact that he had a low centre of gravity. He was carrying the ball really well, or the ball was almost sticking to his feet. And he'd do that thing where he'd pick up the ball sort of inside and on that half turn, he'd really quickly accelerate five, ten yards past the player and kind of squirm his body in between the man and the ball as to either force a trip and a foul and a potential yellow card or to get into that position where he's got space to drive into. And he kept doing it around the edge of the area. He was it was really good keeping the ball and a couple of runs that almost led to something. So I'll be looking forward to seeing him coming up against uh, Leaky and not quite second string, but certainly not completely first choice Arsenal defence this coming Thursday. And uh, I think him and the likes of Buffal could really provide us with a, with a lot of attacking threat. It would be a game that Mr. Gineppo would uh, would be ideal for as well. And with Shane Long coming back and Danny Ings pressing from the front, I can see us scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, so obviously that three points against Norwich means, and with other results going Saints' way, they're now sit 10 points above the relegation zone with eight matches to play, which is... Again, an ideal start, but as you said, it's Arsenal next, and Saints can really focus on trying to climb up the table. Actually, uh, once that are found out, as if Saints were to beat Arsenal seven nil, they'll uh, they'll go above them in the table. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Although Arsenal's start has been, I mean, they went from the unbeaten side of 2020 to just an absolute disarray. They've lost key players. Uh, they, for some reason, extended the contract of David Luiz today, much to the dismay of a lot of Arsenal fans after after an awful performance against Manchester City. Obviously, is he is he um, suspended for for our game? I can't remember. Yeah, oh. unfortunately for Saints fans, uh, David Luiz won't be on the pitch. He serves, I believe, the uh, the last of his two game ban. But they're also without Pablo Mari, who obviously got injured in that first game, uh, alongside Jacka, who's back in training. Bernaleno is a huge miss for them because he was the one who was keeping that Man City game down to a semi-respectable score. Uh, Cedric Suarez, obviously, on loan from the Saints. And, um, and the likes of Torreira, uh, Papadopoulos has been out as well. I mean, they are leaky at the best of times, but the amount of defensive players that they've got out of, of, of all the ones that they've that they've got injured at the moment I think Martinelli is maybe the only attacking player who's um, who's on the injury list for Arsenal so I'm confident from a Southampton fans perspective that we will be able to score goals and plenty of them I don't think it'll be seven <laughs> as you've uh, mentioned there but the problem for me is if Aubameyang uh, turns up on the day the likes of a, of a Lacazette or Pepe who scored such a good goal against Brighton. If they turn up, then there'll be a handful for uh, for the Southampton back line, which is it's going to be a tale of two weak defences and uh, and two really good attacks and, and which defence is going to be able to uh, withstand the most attacks without, without obviously conceding and, and making those errors. So I think there'll be goals in the game. Uh, just I'm just thinking right now, the way that Arsenal are playing and they, they kind of seem to be the laughing stock at the moment with the contract situations of players like Aubameyang and, and Louise and the fact that they're trying to get a look of Joe Hart and I heard Bravo today 
in as a goalkeeper. I just think at the moment the way they are, us are only going in one direction, and that's um, that's not up to the table. So I think it's the best time to be playing Arsenal and uh, and Southampton have that task at St Mary's on Thursday. I think the likes of Ings and Armstrong will be uh, licking their lips. And I think what's important as well is that you've got Shane Long, who is uh, looking like he's going to be back from that that back strain against Norwich. And he is exactly the type of player that Arsenal do not want to be coming up against right now. Not one bit, Shane Long. That the Arsenal defence will probably be, as, as you said, Shane Long's the last person that the Arsenal defence will want to see coming because as you and I know as Southampton fans, he's not going to, he, he's unlikely to be scoring the goals against Arsenal, but he is going to pull them in all sorts of directions and then they're going to have to concentrate on him. And then they've also got to concentrate on keeping quiet at Danny Ings, who has come back in seemingly great form, got a fantastic goal against Norwich. And you say if Aubameyang, it's going to be a battle of, if Aubameyang's got the bit between his teeth, is he going, it's going to be a battle of the weak defences. Well, I think that at the moment, it's the difference there is that whilst Aubameyang, I believe, is of higher quality than Danny Ings as an all-round player, Danny Ings is the one who's got his tail up and Aubameyang is seemingly down tall. So that makes a huge amount of difference when you've got someone as hardworking as Danny Ings. Now with Sergio Aguero out injured, that golden boot is very much within his sights, um, especially if Aubameyang is, as I said, is not going to work as hard. And Jamie Vardy and Leicester themselves seem to be out of form and may just stumble towards the end of the season. Danny Ings at the moment looks the most likely player to get the get get that golden boot if he can keep up his scoring form. And I certainly think Arsenal is a good place to uh, to continue for him with that though that defence would be they're not going to be looking forward to a Shane Long and a Danny Ings and a Nathan Redmond and a Stuart Armstrong and with their lack of defensive options the physicality of Hoybier and Ward Prowse and the just the sheer determination I think will overcome whatever midfield Arsenal put out there's uh, rumours that Xhaka may play but obviously if he's only just returned to training. Arsenal are not going to want to risk another injury as quickly as as quickly as that. But even so, maybe playing Maitland Niles in the middle. It is a game that we're licking our lips for. I think it's definitely the most confident I felt as a Southampton fan of Saints getting a result against Arsenal since the Cooman days, and that was when Arsenal were actually of decent quality and Saints beat them two nil. It was a case of Yes, Arsenal are of high quality, but Saints have got a really decent team going here. We could get a result here. Now it's we're below them in the table, but it's a case of well, we're we've got an upward trajectory at the moment. Arsenal are seemingly spiralling down. And um, I don't know if you agree with this point, but and it may seem a bit outlandish. But I think Arsenal in their current situation are lucky that they've already got 40 points. Now, I think that they won't be in trouble of relegation, but with the injuries they've had and the seeming disarray they had, if they had maybe 35 points or something by now, they could have maybe got dragged into a slight relegation battle. But as as I said, that may just be a bit too outlandish. Yeah, it sounds strange to think of the likes of Arsenal being in a relegation battle. And they're obviously not going to be this season on 40 points but right now they're in a they're in a very difficult 
position looking forward and if they don't strengthen and they haven't been strengthened then for a considerable amount of time if they don't strengthen next season I don't see how they can better what they've got because you take a Bamming out a Bamming out of that team and it's likely that that's going to happen they're not going to be able to replace that quality because no one's going to want to go to Arsenal in 10th place winning nothing so suddenly Arsenal become a very average team as a poor Arsenal team, defensively, they are below average. I mean, you look at the back line, Mustafi, Luis, Socrates, the centre-back options, Mari, who they had to bring in, who they've had out on loan, brought in from, from Brazil and has been out on loan all season, as the, as the guiding light. Well, I don't think so. I think they need to really heavily reinforce their left-back. They've, they've got good options. I think Tierney's a good player. Obviously, we've got uh, Sad Kalasanach as well. Right back, they're struggling. They brought in Cedric and couldn't get a game at Saints. So defensively, they are really poor. They haven't had a solid midfielder, central midfielder, going on 15 years, Tom. So, you know, when you, when you say, oh, Xhaka might be back, I don't think the opposition fans are really quaking in their boots at the idea of, of, a, of a Xhaka coming back and really changing the game. Guendouzi is is looking okay and he's young and he might turn into a prospect. But, I mean, they've got the forward players on their day to win many a football game. You know, Urzu on his day can be world-class. Pepe on his day can create out of nothing, you know, see the goal against Brighton. But the, the problem is that these players very rarely have their day and more often than not, go missing in games. The Bamiang is the one world-class player that they still have. And uh, and even Lacazette hasn't had the goal-scoring form or return they'd hoped to. So they do have some some young players coming through. I think Saka's a good player. I really rate Martinelli. Um, obviously, Nketiah's scoring some goals at the moment. But Arsenal are not a team that they once were that you used to fear. And although I don't think they're going to suffer from relegation, I think they're in danger of in future seasons, starting with next year, sort of finding themselves slipping away from that top six, being replaced maybe by Leicester and falling into a pack of mid-table sides. Um, and Arsenal fans would, would hate to hear that, I'd hate for that to be the case. But I, I, that's that's the way I see it at the moment, especially when Aubameyang leaves. And right now, as you said, Saints, tails up, safe from relegation, had a good second after the season since that Christmas period. And they're playing with a, a almost a sense of freedom now. That was evident once we'd scored against Norwich. So I'm looking forward to that. I think another good point is Saints have almost had a would have almost had an entire week since they played, which in the current circumstance is a big deal. Because Arsenal have already played twice. Granted the first one was on that Wednesday, but they played Wednesday Saturday. Now they've got another game on the Thursday. Saints were the first game of game week one, if you want to call it that, um, not including those games in hand. But they're the first game, six o'clock on the Friday, and they're one of the last games on the Thursday of this midweek period. So someone's dealt Southampton a good hand there with the fixtures. And what that means is they could go in with uh, whichever 11 they want to, minus Gianepo. So they could keep the same team that did so well against Norwich. They could bring in the likes of Shane Long if they wanted to. Whereas at Arsenal have got their third game. They played Saturday, but they've also lost 
a number of players to injury. And if they lose any more, they'll be struggling to get a squad together. They'll have a bench like Burnley did on Monday. One one point about that Norwich game is Saints look incredibly fit as a team. And I had an inkling that Hasenhutl should get a lot of credit for everything that was done in lockdown. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. As you said, he had his playbook. And the Saints players, certainly in that second half, fitness-wise, blew Norwich away. And it really impressed me. And it shows just how in, much in good nick um, the players have been kept. Now, obviously, that's just one game. And if they falls apart against Arsenal, then may, maybe there's something to look into there. But I doubt that's going to happen. I feel that Saints have been... Kept in really good condition. Hasenhutl knows exactly how he's wanted his players to perform in lockdown. And we've known from previous conduct of Hasenhutl that he doesn't like unfit players. Callum Slattery being one who reported back to pre-season not in the best of shape and was sent away by Hasenhutl at the beginning of the beginning of this season. So he he's very strict and demanding in terms of what he wants physically from his players and that's how that's how we want saints to play saints style is very much about phys- fitness physicality winning the ball back being fitter than the other team so that'll be really interesting to see how they cope against arsenal with arsenal being tired morale is low saints as you said tails up almost running around the pitch like a duracell bunny um, Shane Long being the epitome of that as well. As we said before, that's the last player at Arsenal want to see coming at them. Honestly, Arsenal isn't the only game that Saints have this week. After a long break between Norwich and Arsenal, it's only a matter of a few days before their next game, which is one of only two Premier League fixtures this weekend because we've got the FA Cup. Watford against Leicester was a pretty drab affair except for the final two minutes. I left, got in the car... School was nil-nil, uh, put on the radio, and uh, suddenly Ben Chilwell scored an absolute screamer. Couldn't see a ball hit any better than that. Posting it in, absolutely fantastic goal, thinking that's what Leicester need. Gives them that win straight back after after all the poor form they had before lockdown, straight back with a good win away at a struggling Watford side. And actually they'd gotten away with the one because Watford were, were arguably the better side. But then to have the resolve of going 1-0 down in 89 minutes um, and to equalise in the 94th for a one-all draw, they'll be more than happy with that. And Nigel Pearson will be happy with the way their side came back and the way that they played uh, in that game against Leicester, but also to have the character to score what was a, a quite audacious overhead kick from the uh, probably the, the man with the least flair, one of those in the Premier League in, uh, in battering ram centre-back Craig Dawson. Yeah, I couldn't quite believe it when I saw it come up on Twitter that Watford had equalised an overhead kick from uh, from Craig Dawson. As you said, he's the, li- he's the least likely player that you expect to come up with that sort of finish. But yeah, Watford, they, they drew, they got a point which with all the other results going their way is a valuable point for them. Um, And again, to show the resolve of coming back after conceding in the last minute to a fantastic shot. They play Burnley tomorrow at the same time that Saints play Arsenal. So they'll have the same gap in between the, uh, the fixtures as Saints. Now, when we were doing our preview episode a couple of weeks back, we were discussing that maybe this will be the easiest game for Saints out of Norwich, Arsenal and Watford. Uh, obviously, the points made about Norwich was that they'd want to come back. This is like the start of the season again for them. They've got a real chance to survive. Arsenal were unbeaten at that point, but it may be that Arsenal is the easiest game of the start of of the three. Watford, it's a way Saints um, have the best 
one of the best away records in the league. Only I think only the top three clubs have got more wins away from home than Saints or the Saints are joint third. Either way, Southampton have no real troubles on the road so far. Watford is not a place that they've managed to get a win um, for quite some time. They did score the quickest Premier League goal in Premier League history the last time they went to Vicarage Road. And I think the season before it was the very controversial handball goal after being 2-0 up that Watford scored with a handball. I can't actually remember the last time Saints won at Watford. But then again, I couldn't remember the last time Saints had won a league game at Norwich. So who, who knows how it will go. Obviously, it depends on which players get through the game. But um, what are you expecting from the Watford game? I'm expecting a, a more difficult game than, than Arsenal, if I'm honest. Um, and I would, if I was... Uh, if I was to predict, I'd predict that the Saints would get three points against Arsenal, but not against Watford. Whether you can get a draw at Vicarage Road, I mean, they're, they're in a position where they, they need the points, but they, they do seem to have that quality over those sides around them, I'd say Watford, and I, and I, I do think they'll be OK. They do need to be looking at games like Southampton at home and, and targeting them for three points though so yeah I, I think in my opinion uh, if we got four points from those two games it would be a good return I'd be disappointed and it's strange saying it if we weren't to beat Arsenal um, I think the only way Arsenal beat us is if one of their potentially quality players has a moment of magic whereas against Watford I think we could we could end up doing a lot of defending um, and, and Watford do have good players but they're going to have that thirst and that hunger to get the points and I think facing a side like Watford although maybe the quality hasn't been there all season certainly under Pearson they've been better they've been more steely and uh, and despite there being no crowd I think they'll still be up for that game um, and it'll be a, a much tougher test for the Saints, for, would, you, would you concur with that or do you have a different sort of opinion? I actually completely agree with that. I think I'm expecting, I'm almost, yeah, I am expecting a win against Arsenal. Everything's pointing towards a Saints victory and of course that could backfire and Arsenal turn up tomorrow. But I don't think that will happen. I think Saints are really going to put them to the sword. I really hope so. But I agree that I think Watford is going to be a tougher test. They're far more rigid. They definitely have much more fight about them than Arsenal do. I mean, that, as, as was shown by the resolve to get a point after going 1-0 down so late on against Leicester. They do have good players. They're quite good at home. Nigel Pearson has them well drilled. And since he's come in, they've gone from relegation certainties to probably one of the most likely teams to of, of that bottom five to survive. Uh, West Ham and Bournemouth seem to be in free-for-all at the moment. But Watford seem to have that gritty determination to get them through it. And it's always a difficult place to go. Saints don't seem to have the best of luck away to away to Watford. But yeah, I, I would, I, I'd be happy with a point. And uh, if we were to get four points, obviously that puts us on 41 with six games to go. Say, say four points was achieved or a minimum of three points from those two games. Where do you think Saints could realistically aim for for the end of the season with six games to go at that point, whether on 40 or 41? Obviously, Europe is very much a long shot, and I didn't, I, I wouldn't expect that at all. But do you think that that would give us the foundation to maybe push for maybe a top nine, top eight finish? Yeah, I think a top seven finish, which is what might be European football. Um, <clears throat> 
with Tottenham being seventh, eight points ahead of us after they got that win uh, against West Ham. I think it's asking too much. And you're also asking that question on the basis that Saints do get four points and just, you know, anything can happen. So right now I'll look at it and and eight games left to play, uh, 37 points. I think these next couple of games, certainly Arsenal, I think are some games where we could get points if we get that win and we get to 40 then we can uh, we can play the rest of the season with with a bit of a smile on our face and a bit more freedom. And I think that's when Southampton definitely um, historically have played their best football. There's there's a lot of teams within a few points. I mean, like you said, between Southampton and Arsenal was three points, and they're in tenth. And Southampton are fourteenth. So there's five five points between covering Arsenal. Burnley, Everton, Newcastle and Saints. Now, Burnley, actually, although we talk their praises and how they might be an outsider for European football, them are Crystal Palace. Palace look the more likely because I wasn't quite aware until they played Monday just how much Burnley are struggling to get a squad together. Barely made a bench, had two goalkeepers on there, a number of the youth players. So I think they'll struggle. On 39 points, they'll be fine. And they're still a steely side who can... Who can get some points but uh, I think there's a potential for Saints now just two points behind Burnley to finish above them Newcastle were on and off they got a good win against Sheffield United it'll be against 10 men but Southampton and Newcastle are, are there or thereabouts Newcastle don't really have the goals in them Southampton do so I could see Southampton finishing above certainly those two sides which would put them in 12th Sheffield United are struggling but I think they're too far ahead of us Palace I think are a good side I don't think we'll catch them be interesting to see if Saints can finish above Arsenal by the end of the season. I think it'll be difficult to get a top 12 finish, especially with the fixtures we've got left. But I think we could finish 11th or 12th. And that would be a good season considering where we were this early December time. Yeah, I, I concur completely. I think finishing 11th or 12th would make for a really good season and certainly a good um, sort of like a, a springboard for next season where we can push on, start well and then see where... Ralph is able to take us. At Saints, uh, obviously the game against Norwich and then the, looking forward a bit to the next couple of games. Uh, but generally, it's good to have football back. It is very different. There aren't so many things that have surprised me uh, in terms of the atmosphere, the lack of fans, uh, maybe the lack of maybe the lack of match sharpness or uh, physical fitness. But... One uh, maybe one of the things that surprised me was the fact that um, someone forgot to switch goal line technology on after doing all of the uh, all of the COVID safety tests that we've had. That was uh, that was mad. I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm buying the uh, the Hawkeye explanation on that one. But other than that, I think there haven't been too many uh, surprises. Maybe the surprise, the biggest surprise, and and this it's not really something that anyone really pay too much attention to because we were looking so much forward to having some football back was um, how drab some of the matches were going to be and, and how poor in quality and, and slow in pace some of these games were going to be. I know you, you have a theory that generally the first half in, in a lot of games has been quite boring but I can think of certainly three straight away off the top of my head where there are games that were just painful to watch. Um, that first one back where it was nil-nil between Villa and Sheffield United with that ghost goal. The game just yesterday, Leicester versus 
Brighton was oh nothing happened for an entire game and of course the, the big Merseyside derby which um, briefly for a couple of minutes Everton looked like they might snatch but they might as well have just turned up and said should we just play out a nil-nil draw from the beginning but still it's good to have football back yeah it's great to have football back there's lots of it to what as you said some of the games have been pretty poor I don't know why I put myself through that Merseyside derby it was uh, god awful I thought Everton may nick it but actually found the Man City Burnley game quite dull as well I know they won 5-0 but I find Man City's style of play really quite boring, just the complete control of possession. It's more a training exercise for them, but that's no, that hasn't changed. That was what it was like before lockdown. Uh, I do like the amount of football that we've got. I think it will pick up in the next round of fixtures as teams become bitter, their match sharpness returns. You know, the games suddenly have even greater weight to them. I know as we get closer to the end of the season, teams down the bottom are going to know that they need to fight even more. Um, to save themselves. Bournemouth's fixture list looks horrendous. Are they going to pull it out the bag? West Ham, seemingly easier run of fixtures, but again, they seem to be struggling to wake up. Uh, Leicester, can, are they going to fall away from the Champions League spots? They they can't really seem to buy a win at the moment. Again, Brighton have pulled themselves away from the relegation battle with four points that we didn't expect them to get. But yeah, it's been good to have football back. We'll be doing another episode after this latest batch of fixtures. We'll hopefully have a guest for you, but we'll uh, we'll let you know in due course. Uh, but yeah, it's great to have football back. And hopefully, Callum, our Saints will be uh, picking up three points tomorrow night. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm just off. On the, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Man City, and um, I thought at least it was good to see that real emergence of Phil Foden as a prominent figure, um, as we've discussed, a potential England star, um, along with Will Greenwood, who I've just seen is starting in the game again uh, for Man United, along with Pogba and Fernandez. So um, that starts in five minutes, and I think that makes my decision on whether I'm going to be watching that game on pick. Norwich Everton on BBC. We've got so much choice on free-to-air television. I'm going to go with the Man United game. Don't know what your decision is, but uh, I think that's a good, a good enough time, good as time as any, for us to um, to sign off and switch on. Yes, absolutely. Um, if you want to send any questions to the podcast, you can find us on Twitter at under underscore saints. You can find myself on Twitter at t two one four Murray. Yeah, you find me at Callum Wilson one two three. Is it really? Have you changed it? What's mine then? Callum Wilson twenty one. Oh, that's my Instagram thing. <laughs> <laughs> you'll find me on Instagram at Callum Wilson 123 uh, but you'll find me on Twitter at Callum Wilson 21 and uh, thank you very much for listening to this bite-sized episode of Under the Lights and uh, come on Saints for tomorrow evening